1: Episode 183. Hey, my riches! Today we are going to talk about the secret of winning your customers. The what, the who, and the how. Getting customers is what entrepreneurs say they struggle with most. When we talk about entrepreneurship success, we still talk about very low success rates The last formal numbers are still between 5 to 10%. Of course, it depends on how success is defined. The first reason 42% entrepreneurs say what they fail for is no market need. There are usually two reasons for not finding the market need. Either you didn't focus on the right customers or your product definition wasn't correct. The what. A product or service definition contains three to five words. Your answer to the question, what do you offer? Based on the answer to the question, what problem do you solve? Why is defining your product or service critical? One, that's how customers will find you. Two, it differentiates you from all your competitors. Three. It attracts clients. And four, is the basis for leading your market category. The one rule of defining your product. In defining your product, you should focus on your customer's point of view. You need to learn what your customers are looking for. How customers, people who are seeking solutions and providers, talk about the problem and solutions within your space. We look for what they need or want what words do they use to look for the solution remember it's always about them the customer always look to find what's in it for me w y y f m there is one story i like most as an example for the what part finding what solution and product or service you should provide the story of mike alton who provided one product and found out his customers want something else. Mike Alton, the award-winning social media blogger and author, turned his successful website business into a social media blog and guidance source. Let's listen to his story. Mike Alton is a content marketing practitioner, award-winning blogger and author in St. Louis, and the chief marketing officer at Sitesell. He has been working with websites and the internet since the early 19s and is active on all the major social networks. Mike teaches a holistic approach to content marketing that leverages blog content, social media, and SEO to drive traffic, generate leads, and convert those leads into sales. Mike Alton, I'm so happy to have you here at this show.
2: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: I just shared with our listeners what you have done until now. Tell me a bit about your journey, about the company. When it became a company, did you uh, start with social media with the purpose to uh, to build a company out of that?
2: Yeah, well, it's interesting. I started the social media hat back in 2012, Okay, so five years ago. And then at that time... I had been building websites, and as part of that website-building business, a different business, I was blogging about social media marketing. I thought I would give my prospects and my customers helpful information for their new online business. That made sense to me in my brain.
3: The problem yeah. was
2: that blogging about Twitter and Facebook didn't sell websites. It didn't attract people who needed websites. It attracted people who already had websites and wanted to learn about Twitter and Facebook. So as a result, I wasn't growing my web development business, but I was discovering something about myself, which is that, number one, I liked to write, which I never thought that I would. And I also discovered that I liked to teach people how to use social media and blogging. So when I realized that that content wasn't helping to sell websites, I didn't want to stop doing it. So I thought, well, why don't I create a different site that's all about social media and blogging and see if I can't make that work? So that's what I did.
1: Wow. And how long has it been since?
2: Yeah, five years.
1: Five years. Wow. You managed to have a very, very big crowd around you.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So it's been interesting because I've used my site as a testing ground. For anything one can think of when it comes to online marketing i often refer to myself as a content marketing practitioner because and it's a title i made up it doesn't mean anything said <laughs> to me it means that i test things and i actually have documented experiments i'll say okay you know what i want to test whether or not Facebook reach is determined by the type of post that you create so i would i, I would decide that that's what i want to test and i'd come up with okay how am i going to test that and i would execute the test and then i'd write about it And I found over time that my audience really, really appreciates those kinds of insights. And in the meantime, I was experimenting with how to make money from websites. You can read about that kind of thing. But until you actually try it yourself with the kind of content or or tactics that you want to explore, it's all very – it's all theoretical, Theoretical, right? So, um, you know, I I tried affiliate uh, relationships. I tried – Google AdWords, display ads, um, and many other different kinds of monetization techniques, uh, including selling my time, right? Uh, You know, I do consulting, so um, I'm just selling my time by the hour and making money that way. So it's been a big exploration for me.
1: And what did you find? Do you have any conclusions about the best way to make a business out of social media empire?
2: Yeah, typically, and again, this will be different for everybody, but typically... The most successful way that you're going to find to make money is to have a product that you sell, a product that you can sell a lot of so it can scale. Um, Of the other ways, usually selling your own time as as an expert in the field, that can be fairly lucrative, but it doesn't scale unless you turn yourself into an agency and you hire employees, and then you have to keep growing and growing and growing accordingly. Uh, Affiliate marketing and then display advertising, I mean, those, those tend to be some of the worst approaches to making money online today.
1: What is the one factor that affected the most on our success? You know, there are so many things that are coming together to help us and for our success, but there is one thing that really made the difference. What is your key success factor?
2: You're right. There are there are always a lot. One thing that comes to mind, I don't know if this is the most thing, but one thing that comes to mind is That a few years ago, I started to become very deliberate about who I was connecting with, who I was having conversations with, who I was looking up to, who I was reading. In short, the relationships that I was creating. Now, for me, it was mostly online through social media. These could just as easily be at business networking events and in a workplace and so on. You you guys can take this and change it however you need. But for me, it started with Google Plus at the time, and it's now moved more to, to Facebook where I'm connecting with peers and colleagues and I'm having conversations with them, not just about what's going on with Facebook or Instagram stories. Right. But, um, you know, what's going on with ourselves. Um, It's kind of like the mastermind, only in a much broader sense.
1: Yeah, I I wanted to say some kind of online mastermind.
2: Yeah, it's a little, it's like an informal mastermind. And and the fate of Google Plus makes me sad because I do miss this about that platform. Never since and never before have I had the kinds of conversations that I had when Google Plus was at its peak uh, in terms of interest and and so on. Uh, But even today, I, I still have those relationships. And now they're just, the conversations a little more dispersed. Now it's more. Uh, private messages or on this or that Facebook post um, or through Skype and phone calls and so on at conferences. The key to it all though, is to having those specific deliberate relationships with people who can help you, who can help your business, who can show you the right way to do what you need to do.
1: Hmm. I love it so much because I've been working with entrepreneurs and most of them, just know everything and you have achieved so much. And actually you say that the way to succeed even more perhaps is to use the help of other people that can contribute something else or something new to your business or to yourself. Beautiful. Let's talk about the who. Most entrepreneurs have a very clear picture in mind as to who the customers are. Unfortunately, most of the time they're wrong. If you don't know who your customers are, you won't reach them. Let's learn one of the best-kept secrets to business success. The secret to finding more paying customers is not to convince as many people as possible to buy your product or service. It's to find those people who need your product or service right now and who will be the first to buy it. I love the story of Blake Jameson. First, because Blake is a unique entrepreneur and this is a beautiful story. And second, because it shows exactly how crucial finding the right customers is. Blake Jameson studied economics and today is a portrait artist for professional athletes. Black Jameson is a pop portrait artist in Manhattan, New York. He paints pop art portraits for professional athletes and celebrities, including Howie Mandel, Drew Brees, Joe Montana, Gary Vilnachuk, and over 250 other professional athletes in the NFL, NBA, NHL, MLS, and PLL. Black's path to becoming a full-time artist was far from traditional. Despite his passion for art at a young age, Blake decided to forego art school for a more practical degree, studying economics at UC Davis. After graduating, Blake began his career in digital marketing at Zynga. He worked in digital marketing for nearly a decade, working for small tech startups to publicly traded companies. On his 30th birthday, Blake decided it was time to stop building someone else's dream and start to follow his own passions. He began painting full-time nearly five years ago and has carved out a niche that allows him to paint every day. Blake Jameson, hey! What a great pleasure to have you here.
4: Hello, thanks for having me.
1: It's so great that you are here, and I already told you that I'm so excited towards this interview. I believe it's going to be different than most interviews or most guests that I had at the show until today, because I saw what you are doing. Awesome. So it's great having you. Thanks. I just shared with our listeners what you've done until now, and I would like to ask you to share with us what are you doing and what's passionate about today, and where are you heading?
4: Sure. So I am a portrait artist located in New York City, and I've had an interesting kind of roller coaster of a journey up until this point. But what I do right now is I paint portraits for professional athletes. Primarily, I work in the NFL, although I do work with other athletes that play soccer, lacrosse, wrestling, Hmm. hockey, uh, all types of athletes. And I've kind of carved out this niche for me where an athlete or maybe the spouse or the girlfriend of an athlete is looking for a painting that kind of captures special sports moment for them, I'm oftentimes the person that they turn to, and I'm very fortunate to work with awesome people and get to paint every single day, which I love.
1: Which is great. I never heard in this podcast of an entrepreneur that paints portraits of athletes Yeah, But I want you to tell me a bit about this roller coaster that you just
4: talked about. So I grew up in a very creative household. I was always encouraged to paint or draw or do photography, all of those things I love doing. However, I kind of have convinced myself from a young age that art was a starving artist and it was not necessarily a viable career path. And so... (laughs) Instead of doing actually what my parents encouraged that I do, which was studying art in college, I decided to study economics and took what I thought was the safe route at the time and parlay that into a career in marketing. So when I graduated college, it was when social media marketing was become was just starting to become an actual respected career. And I was able to get in a very, you know, ground level for some pretty reputable companies and work my way through several different companies. And then I spun off and started working for myself as a freelancer, which allowed me to work with even more companies. And ultimately, it was on my 30th birthday that I decided that I was tired working for someone else's dream and I wanted to follow my own dreams and realized also at that time that, you know, maybe my parents were right all along. (laughs)
1: Okay. And then how did you come to parenting athletes.
4: Sure. Okay, great. So I'm very grateful. My background in marketing and understanding specifically digital marketing and having the experience marketing a very, very wide range of products, I understood how social selling worked and how it was really a relationship mm-hmm. building business. And because of my experience in digital marketing, I had built up not a huge, but a moderate following of, of friends and family and colleagues and people I met along the way. And so when I first decided, okay, I'm going to start painting, I knew that I had to specialize and I had to come up with a specific hmm. niche. I was never the artist that says, well, I'm just going to paint whatever I feel like painting, which is fine. If someone wants to do that, that's no problem. But I'm also a marketer and a businessman. And so I decided I'm going to paint a specific thing for a specific subset of people. And because of my network at the time, I decided that I was going to paint for Offices okay. basically for tech companies because those were all everything. Everything in my rolodex mm. was tech companies, and so I was going to my existing contacts.
1: I must ask something.
4: Oh yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry.
1: Did you really have a rolodex?
4: Oh, like, uh, no, I had my my phone uh, contact list. Okay. When I when I did some marketing and sales before, I did have a physical rolodex. <laughs> but I started going to those people and saying, I'm an artist. I paint office art basically for tech companies, because that that was my contact list. And so what that ended up like turning into is I was painting a lot of portraits of people like Steve Jobs, or Gary Vaynerchuk, or different, you know, iconic mm-hmm. tech founders, not necessarily for them at the time, but for other people who aspired to be like them and put a picture of Steve Jobs in their office, really? or, you know, a mo- some kind of motivational quote. And I did that for, I think it was about two years. And that was going well. I, I had my niche carved out, and I was gaining reputation as one of the leaders in that space. And it was really oh. kind of lucky coincidence that I met this guy while I was delivering art to a different client in Las Vegas. I met someone who had previously played in the NFL professional football and was now a manager of existing players that play in the NFL, And he really liked my art, and he said, "Man, office art's really cool. But what if you did some paintings for some of my clients, and then I'll make yeah. sure that they're going to post about it on social media, they're going to promote you. I can't like, I would love to give this to them as a gift. So it was free from from the beginning, the expectation was, this would be unpaid work, but it could potentially lead to more work. And I've always, I always, um, what's the right word? I gravitate towards that those type of opportunities. I'm never afraid free and and at that time fortunately I was free and and I did it and as soon as I painted for a few athletes and then I realized that their teammates saw it and by nature they're very very competitive hmm. people and so when one guy buys a painting or not even buys when one guy has a painting the next guy wants a bigger painting they also have the you know disposable income to pay for it and they have much bigger social media followings to promote Man. my work than most startup tech companies that I was working for. Hmm. So it just made sense. And so I pivoted the business. I guess it was two and a half, three years ago now. And at this point in my career, I've painted, I think, more professional athletes than almost anybody else in my space. Wow.
1: The second story, as an example for The Who, is the story of Joe Carlson, who chose his customers first, and only then he developed his service. Joe Carlson is a software engineer turned developer advocate at MongoDB. He comes from the frozen tundra of Minneapolis, Minnesota. And yes, it does get really cold here. And no, not everyone here has the accent from the movie Fargo. Joe has been primarily a Node and JavaScript engineer. He has been writing, teaching, and talking about code his entire career. Sharing what he knows and continuing to learn about programming is truly the thing he loves doing the most. Joe Carlson, what a pleasure to have you here. Hi.
0: Hello. Hi. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, I'm so happy you are here today. And we are going to have a special show. I already know that. I just shared with <laughs> I just shared with my audience what you've done until now, and I would like you to share with us what are you doing and most passionate about today, and where are you heading?
0: Yeah, I think I'm a I'm a different kind of guest I think than you usually have, and I'm probably a little bit geekier than <laughs> um, than most of your guests. I promise, though, I'm not going to bore people though. Um, but sure uh, yeah, so won't. my name. I'm sure. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, my name is Joe Carlson. I'm a developer advocate, and I work for a database software tech company called MongoDB. Um, and developer advocate might be a new term for a lot of people, yeah. but it's basically a fancy word for saying I get to hang out with developers all the time. Um, <laughs> I get to make cool tools for them, I write documentation, I speak at tech conferences, I make videos, I Twitch stream, whatever developers need, I make that for them.
1: Are you a developer as well?
0: Yes, 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 I I am, was, and will be. Um, I still consider myself a software engineer, but I'm just better at engaging with developers, so I've made this my career.
1: Wow, that sounds fantastic. It's a new, that's what, that's what we we're talking about when we talk about entrepreneurship, right? Bringing something yes. new to the world. Oh, totally. What exactly does it mean daily or what exactly do you do?
0: Yeah, the day to day. I know it's like all over the place. I'll go over what I did this week. Yeah, please do. So, like, on Monday, I yeah. spoke at a technical conference um, about a internet-connected kitty litter box I built. Oh. And then I've been working on a new blog post this week. And then on Friday, I'm going to be streaming on Twitch with a friend of mine, and we're going to be reacting to programmer memes.
1: Oh. First of all, we will have the link to your blog. And thank you, yes. Do you have any uh, channel in Twitch, or... You're just occasionally there.
0: Um, yeah, so I, I actually do most of my streaming at my company, Switch. I'm, I, I'm not like – I'm full-time employed by this, uh, this tech company. But, uh, yeah, it's twitch.tv slash mongodb. Um, but we stream every Friday at noon Eastern time.
1: So we'll put that as well, of course. Love it. What are you passionate about today? What are you most passionate about? Yeah, I –
0: well, see here. I feel like it helps put in context in it, like, why this is a role – um, cause it, it's like, we do cool stuff. I get to like hang out with cool people and make cool stuff. But the thing about developer advocacy is the reason I get paid is because traditional marketing doesn't work with developers.
1: Right. I'm basically a fancy marketing they person. They hate us.
0: Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it's like, you can't send a pamphlet or a marketing email stream or a TV commercial, that's not going to work. They tend to be more skeptical, less willing to put up with that stuff. Yeah. Um, so what tech companies do is they hire people like me to make engaging content that developers do engage with. And we try to get them excited about the product that we're representing. So I basically get to do all this cool stuff, and I just I happen to be using this cool database product that I love. It's, it's an awesome product. But yeah, I just get to like use it. But yeah, it's great.
1: It reminds me in a way, it's funny um, that I said Guy Kawasaki before, but what Steve Jobs did with Guy Kawasaki, with his evangelist, it's exactly like that because nobody really cared about a Macintosh back then. So he needed some geeks yes. that love it. I think it's something similar. It's a new term. It's a new uh, profession. Yes. But it sounds great.
0: It's amazing. It's absolutely incredible. And you're right. Like, I feel like, I mean, that's exactly right. Like, I'm, I feel like my goal is to get people as excited about the stuff that I'm excited about. You know what I mean? It's like sharing that enthusiasm with them. And if I can get excited about a cool project, that comes out and I can get other people excited about it.
1: So it means that uh, the company that you are working for is really uh, heavy technology stuff? Really selling heavy technology Yes. Stuff? Okay. What are they yeah. selling?
0: Yeah. I won't get too deep into it. Okay. Because I don't Again, I don't want to bore people, but okay. Um, so, MongoDB. We're a publicly traded tech company. Um, you've definitely used our database without knowing it. It's super popular with developers. Uh, tons of companies use it. We've been around for forever. <laughs> um, but it's uh, yeah. It's I don't know. It's one of those things. Like, if you ask one of your nerd friends if they've heard of our company, they definitely have. No one else
1: has. (laughs) I'm so happy you said that. Now I have some topic to talk with them about. No, just kidding.
0: There you go. (laughs) Just kidding. No, Uh, you totally should. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we just make databases. We store data in a special way that is different than anyone else, and it's way easier than other databases, which is why people love working with us.
1: That sounds great. And tell me a bit about your career. Where did you start how did you come to yeah. where you are today?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I, um, I'm trying to think of how far back to start here. I, uh,
1: Whatever so you I, want to, I'm with you. <laughs>
0: well, okay. Tell you what, let's get into why I got into programming. We'll start there, huh? huh? Um. So I started programming for horrible reasons. Oh. I first started learning how to program. Um, I started, I, well, so I went to school during... Um, one of the last financial collapses, okay. uh, not the COVID one, the one before that.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, but uh, anyway, I, I started learning it out of fear of not making money when I was a professional. Okay. Um, I was actually an art history minor, and then I switched over to computer science for fear of
1: being wow. poor. Wow.
0: I hate, and I hated programming. <laughs> I, dude, I was so bad at it. Really? It was so hard.
2: Yeah, it was so bad at it.
0: I still struggle with it. But, uh, yeah, I did that for years. So, actually, and I, I worked as a, an engineer and programmer for years and years and years, and I hated it, and I was so bad at it. And it wasn't until I – I ended up – was ready to quit programming, and I moved to Hawaii to become a surf bum. Okay. And I met up with some hacker punks down there who were just making fun stuff and making art. And they got me so excited about just making stuff for fun. Yeah. That – I don't know. It I, like, changed the way I looked at programming. Wow. And I've been trying to share the joy that I felt ever since.
1: You know, there are many reasons that, or many factors that affect one's success. And I'm sure there are many factors that affect why you are so successful with programmers. However, I believe that for each of us, there is one thing that really helps us succeed. And I want to ask you, what is your one key success factor?
0: Perfect. Um, my one success factor. I feel like it's, like, oh, what's the word? It's going to be, like, resiliency or, like, uh, not durability, but, like, being able to keep going um, over a long period of time. It's, like, remaining focused on a goal and, like, keep attacking it. Yeah. Um, Developer relations is tricky because I'm trying to influence a massive community of developers. Yeah. So, like, results are not immediate. True. And, for example, like, building a Twitch stream, it requires consistency over time. And how you, I'm sure you know that, too, with, like, a podcast, right? Like, building a podcast is about consistency over time. Right. And you slowly grow an audience.
1: Right. Yes. Um,
0: we're trying to do the same thing. Sure. And it, you have to be, keep attacking it, you know?
1: Sure. I don't know.
0: Obviously, I think that, like, the best entrepreneurs are the ones who can, like, remain focused on a singular goal over a long period of time. And I'm not saying you don't quit if it doesn't work. You know what I mean? Which we should.
1: I agree with you. You know, um, there is uh, one of the says that entrepreneurs, the successful entrepreneurs like to say that you don't fail until you quit. Yeah. And in a way, with entrepreneurship, it's right. In a way, if you've got something there, it will work. So, and you need to be patient. So I love this key success factor. And last is the how. This is probably the most important part that often has been neglected. Zig Ziglar, a very famous American author, salesman, and motivational speaker said, you will get all you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want. Today, the most known marketing leaders talk about being human. Mark Schaefer wrote in his last book, Marketing Rebellion, that the most human company wins. David Muman Scott wrote with Rako Scott the book Phonocracy, turning fans into customers and customers into fans. I think the story that represents more than any other story, the shift, in your mindset that will allow you to get many customers is it the success story of Josh Elledge. Josh Elledge hated to sell until one day he found a win-win formula of selling. And I have today with me, Josh Elledge. Josh, how great to have you here with me.
3: you. thank you very much for having me.
1: Josh Elledge, is the founder and CEO of and PR and is about to change an entire industry with the mission to help entrepreneurs attract the perfect audiences through PR. Josh is Chief Executive Angel at SavingsAngel.com and helps consumers get discounts and upgrades on everything through his syndicated newspaper column with 1.1 million readers and on TV in 75 cities. He has been in the media more than 1,500 times. Through his new model of PR, Josh now turns digital entrepreneurs into media celebrities at appendpr.com. I'm wondering what are your concept or beliefs on the way a startup or entrepreneurial business should approach its customers mm. and give our listeners your best advice for the customers approach and focus.
3: Yes, I love this topic because I that this is one where um there are still business owners that are struggling out there because they keep trying to sell so hard to audiences. And at the beginning, you know, that might get the bills paid. Uh, it, you know, it might help you grow, I'd say, in a linear fashion. Uh, but what I believe, Hayute is, and and I really do believe this, and it's taken me a while to move it from my head to my heart. But I want you to know that this is absolutely the truth, that if you spend a lot of time Serving audiences and improving the lives of audiences everywhere and anywhere that you can. It may feel like it takes a little bit longer and it might. Okay. But what you're going to experience is exponential growth at the beginning. Not everyone's going to buy your thing, but they're going to say, wow, I really love that how does this podcast and she serves and she gives and so they're going to develop a relationship with you and then eventually a certain percentage of th- your audience will say you know what i would really love to take the relationship i have with Hayute and i'd love to take it to the next level i wonder if she has products or services for sale and so they come find you and they say oh my goodness I could hire Hayute as a consultant or, oh, my goodness, Hayute has a a video series where I could learn step by step exactly what she teaches. I want that. And so if you focus on your thought leadership, if you focus on serving those audiences, you're going to find that people are just naturally going to be attracted to you rather than you having to chase people all of the time.
1: So actually, your advice to entrepreneurs and startup founders is to become the thought leaders in their yes. industry, and in their field, in their category. And the second part of this advice is really to serve. All the time to serve people and customers.
3: Yes, in, interesting. Yes, in the two in the year 2017 and beyond, this is what your audience craves more than anything. So before you. Just put a sales video and ads and then a paywall. I mean, that's one way you could do your business. And I'm, you know, again, if that's working for you, great. And I'm not saying that you should stop all advertising and all paywalls. Certainly not. Um, But what I am saying is that more that you can invest in just giving to audiences, uh, the more you're going to find that just people are going to like you. And if you can wake up in the morning and ask yourself the question, who? Do I get to serve today as opposed to who will I sell to Hi, you, I don't have to tell you, but to the person who's maybe uninitiated on this philosophy, I'm just going to tell you that your life completely changes when you change your mindset to how many people can I give to. And you know, you'll do crazy things like uh, you know I'm doing a conference this fall, um, which I can't share the details on just yet, um, but I, I was in a position where I easily, easily could have charged $100 per head at the door. And instead, I am committed to finding a way to do it absolutely free wow. because, again, thought leadership is worth far more to me, and being an authority figure in my space is worth far more to me than you know, making five, ten thousand dollars $10,000 on a specific show. I, I, you know what? My bills are taken care of. I'm good. I see investing in thought leadership and your authority as being a long-term play. And I plan on doing this for quite a while. So <laughs> I'm willing to make those long-term investments.
1: Hmm. Now I want to dive in the issue of uh, customers. And I want to ask you, what is your biggest, most critical failure oh. with customers that the one that affected your entrepreneurial journey the most?
3: Can you tell us about this? Yes, yes. So when I owned a small town newspaper, Hayuta, one job that I had to do at the beginning, but I really was so uncomfortable with it was actually was selling um, and, and because I had a belief that selling was simply trying to convince somebody of something and because of that i felt so scared and i ended up failing in business miserably as a result of that and so my next position after that business went bankrupt and i mean literally bankrupt it was it was a very painful experience but i needed that uh experience to 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 really push me outside my comfort zone. So for the next five years, I did sales and marketing for a network of law firms. And I was basically expected to sell every single day, uh, you know, if I wanted to make any money is mostly commission based. And so you have to imagine this was so uncomfortable for me, particularly at the beginning. But then I evolved over the the course of five years to the point where I said, you know what? This has absolutely nothing to do with convincing people, but this has to do with listening to people's needs and finding out if I can help them. And if I can't, then that's fine. Or maybe the way I can help them is by recommending a different product or service or making a personal connection. Maybe that was how I could bring uh, the most value to that person in that moment. And when that shift happened, Hayut, my income instantly went through the roof my, I mean, I loved what I did. I woke up happy to do my work, and I just enjoyed the customers and clients that I had the the privilege of working with. I just absolutely loved the work that I did. And
1: that was with the law firm, with
3: the yeah, and oh, yeah, wow. and it was good because it really prepared me for Savings Angel. Because by the time I launched Savings Angel, I had no. Fear. I I I honestly believe that I don't really have any fear of of asking for things or asking for a sale, uh, because I know in my heart of hearts um, that what I'm asking for would be a win win, or would be you know of tremendous value for that person. And ultimately, it's their decision. Um, But I, I just remember you know, breaking the back of fear in sales. And now at this point, it's it's like it's hard for me to even remember what it was like Mm -hmm. to be afraid of being rejected. I don't care if someone rejects me. They're not rejecting me. They're just saying that, no, that's not a fit for them in that moment. And, you know, that it would probably be better for me to see if there's a different way that I can bring value to that person.
1: Wow. It's a lovely story. And now I want, and I know there are a lot, but you will have to choose. I want to ask you about your biggest success due to the right customer approach.
3: Yeah. It, in With Savings Angel, it was the time that I had been featured in my local small town paper, and that was very exciting. I started doing some work in radio, but then all of a sudden, I got, I want to say, either an email or a phone call from a reporter, and it was from the Grand Rapids Press in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which was, that's a decent-sized paper, and they wanted to do an interview with me about Savings Angel, and how you, um, you know, I I really just took my experience in working in media, and I, I feel like I gave a good interview to the reporter, and she goes, I guess I need to let you know that this is going – this is a pretty good story, and we're actually going to put this on the front page of the business wow. And I thought, oh, my goodness. I mean, this could be really good for business. And sure enough, that was my first day where we earned – and I'm guessing it was between – Maybe six and eight hundred dollars in one day. Which doesn't sound like a lot of money for most of us at today, um, but at the time, um, that was just one day's earnings. And again, our model was a subscription model, so that was so that meant that you know we would earn six to eight hundred dollars a every single month, um, and and that we made more the next day. But I you know I remember that first day where we made that much money in one day in sales. And I think a lot of us you know when we start a business we remember that first good money day. And we're like, oh, my gosh, you know, this thing could really take off. I mean, this could really get really good for us. And from that day forward, Hayud, your wife and I, we've never had to worry about money again. And um, that's a great place to be. And if if you're listening to this conversation and they're not quite there yet, trust me, have the faith, keep serving it will happen. You will get better at what you do. You will learn more about what your audience wants from you. And you can pivot. You can change. You can tweak. You can improve. And eventually, you're going to come up with the perfect solution that they're asking for. And it's going to be where they say, you know what? It is absolutely worth every dime of me of mine to give to you so that I can have that product or service. And if you can get to that point, it's pretty lovely because... <laughs> Your your income will just be taken care of. It's a great place to be. A
1: great place to be. We covered today the first main part of getting more customers. This is the foundation. Soon, I will share with you the practical ways to get more customers. However, if you won't make the shift in mindset that my guests talked about today, I don't believe you will succeed in implementing the practical ways to get more customers. So, I want you to feel like Josh Elledge that you found the win-win formula of selling. i meet you here next week. In the meantime, I hope you and your beloved ones stay healthy and safe. Always yours. Chayut. And for you, our listeners,